I'm going to ask you to go ahead and be seated this morning. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you if you would take the Word of God and turn with us to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. going to be reading there Ephesians chapter 4 and then we're also going to be looking at Colossians chapter 3 Colossians chapter 3 so if you would go ahead and turn there and hold your spot Colossians chapter 3 and now in Ephesians chapter 4 I want you to look down to verse 32 And notice what the Word of God tells us here. And keep this in mind as well. These are commandments that God brings into us. He says here, And be ye kind one to another, another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And then let's go over to Colossians now, chapter 3, and let's look over at verse 13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Before we get into the lesson this morning, I have a, a little story I want to share with you. There was an elderly man and woman, and they decided to, uh, and they were just country folks, and they decided to drive up to uh, New York City. And there in New York City, they found an airport. And the elderly gentleman looked to his wife and he said, he said, Honey, he said, I sure would like to get into one of those things before I die. And the wife looked at him and said, Well, honey, says, you know, that takes money and money is money. And so he replied back to her, he said, Well, sweetheart, he said, I tell you, I sure really would like to get into one of those things before I die, though. And she resp responded back to him the same response and said, Well, honey, you know it takes money, and money is money. So he responded back to her, and, and, and he said unto her, Well, honey, I know money is money, but I'm probably going to die pretty soon, and I sure would like to get into one of those things. And she responded back to him. And about time she responded back to him, the captain of the airplane was standing off to the side and he heard them bickering back and forth. And so he came over to them and he said, Now, if uh, you both will be very quiet and not say a word, I'll let you both fly and it won't cost you anything. But if you say something at all, it's going to cost you both $10 a piece. And so they both decided and said, okay, we'll do this. And so they both got on the plane and the captain was there on the plane, you know, and they took off and they were flying all through the air. And so the pilot decided, well, I'm going to give them a real trip since uh, they wanted to fly. And so he flew right, he flew left, he turned the plane upside down, he did flips, he did all those things like that and didn't hear a sound out of either one of them. And all of a sudden they, the trip was ended and he got down and he landed and he turned around to the elderly gentleman 
And he said, I'm just so amazed. He said, I didn't hear either one of y'all say a word. And he said, well, it was kind of hard for me to say anything after that first flip and she dropped out. <laughs> oh, man. The power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness. You know, God instructs us in His Word. He commands us in His Word to be very forgiving. In fact, it is one of the commands, and without forgiveness, you and I couldn't even be saved. Because it is the Lord who forgave us of every single thing that we've ever done, the things that we do now, and the things that we'll do in the future. God has already forgiven us of those things. I mean, He's taken care of that on the cross of Calvary. And you and I must make sure that if God can forgive us, that we can also forgive each other. And there's a great power in that forgiveness. There are two aspects of forgiveness in introduction today. First of all, there's a divine forgiveness. That is God toward man. And then there is that human forgiveness. And that is man toward man. And the need for forgiveness from God... Toward man is a great need. We need that forgiveness because if we don't receive that forgiveness, we will die and go to hell. I mean, it's just as simple as that. So the need for forgiveness from God is great. The need for forgiveness from man toward man uh, is also something that we desire, but it's not something that necessarily is needful for us to go to heaven, but yet it is a commandment that God brings into us that we should forgive each other. And the reason we do that is so that man's wrath does not overcome us. Because we don't need someone being judgmental to us or against us or harming us or messing us up. And so this morning I want to speak to you on this simple subject of the power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness. Now, let me ask you this question. Don't raise your hand because I know every hand will go up. But think about this. Has anyone ever wronged you? Has anyone ever done anything against you, broken your heart, broken your spirit, and yet you've not forgiven them? Let me first of all explain to you the explanation of forgiveness. Take your Bible, and we're going to turn to several scriptures this morning, but take your Bible and turn to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. And in Psalm 103, let's read verse 3. He says, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases? You see, the Lord here tells us even as far back into the Old Testament that we are to forgive. And we find that our Lord has already forgiven us. He's forgiven us of all of our iniquities. Uh, iniquities would be a representation or synonymous with sin there. And He heals all our diseases. Diseases would be those things that come upon us because of our sin. And then there is the matter of this forgiveness. It is complete. When Christ died on the cross, dear friends, our forgiveness was made complete there. The issue is settled. It, it never has to be dealt with anymore. And, and all thine iniquities, the, word, the little word all there means exactly what it says. The definition of that is all. That's everyone. Amen? And so this means all, but not only all, but it means forevermore. Uh, the sins you've committed uh, yet have already been forgiven. The sins that you will do have already been forgiven. So that 
means that there should be no grudges. There should be no investigations, if you will. Because sometimes when uh, we have been wronged, we try to investigate and we try to look into the matter ourselves, which sometimes creates more of a matter, does it not? Micah chapter 7 and verse 19 says this, He will turn again, He will have compassion upon us, He will subdue our iniquities, and Thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Reminding us that as He forgives us, He takes our sins and He casts those into the depths of the sea, never remembering those anymore. Forgiveness presents the matter as though it never happened. When God forgave us of our sins, it's as though we have never sinned at all. There's no more action then that needs to be uh, put forth for that sin. There's no more forgiveness or even forgetting of that sin because it's already been dealt with and taken care of by God. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so hath he removed our transgressions from us. When forgiveness then is given, the matter is settled permanently. Now let me think about this for a minute. Let me let you think about it for a minute. When God forgives us, the matter is settled permanently. But what about us? You know, if we say we forgive someone, is it really settled permanently? Or does it still creep up in our minds? Look out. Following forgiveness is obedience to God's holy word. And it's a need for each and every issue of life that we come into. Because I promise you, dear friends, you're going to come across, if you haven't yet, you're going to come across someone who's going to wrong you and they're going to hurt you and you're going to have to forgive them. You say, preacher, what if they wrong me? And I didn't do nothing to them. It doesn't matter the issue. You still have to forgive them, dear friends. Because that's what God teaches us in His Word. Listen, God never hurt us, did He? God never did anything against us, but yet He forgives us. And so we must be like Jesus the same way. We must follow that forgiveness in the obedience to God's holy Word. Now I want you to understand something here. When you sin and you come before God in your confession of your sin, and God will forgive you of all unrighteousness, that's what He tells us there in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. He says, if we... Uh, confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and so we need to go to the Lord and we need to ask his forgiveness even sometimes dear friends we need to go to the Lord and ask his forgiveness about things that maybe have been done to us and we ask forgiveness for that person and then we can go to that person and we can forgive that person you say, preacher, what if I go to that person and I forgive them and they say, well, uh, I'm just not going to accept it. doesn't matter if they accept it or not. It's your responsibility to go and forgive them. Amen. So that is the explanation of forgiveness. What about the extent of forgiveness? How, how far should I go in this forgiving? Well, in Luke chapter 17 and verse 3, he says this. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And so here is something about a brother in Christ. A brother in Christ causes some problem between us. 
that brother in Christ then, what they're supposed to do is we're supposed to rebuke that person. In other words, we're telling them how bad that hurt me, what, what you did. It hurt me, it hurt me terribly, and then that person should repent because that, they should be forgiving just like you're forgiving as well. Because remember, if they're both Christians, and we're talking about brethren here, you both should have that same forgiving nature. And you have that forgiving nature, and they repent, then you forgive that person. Verse uh, 4 says, And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. In other words, it doesn't matter how many times that he comes against you. You, dear friend, are supposed to go to that person again and share with that person the same thing. It doesn't matter how many times they do this. Forgiveness is something that's long-suffering. So the extent of forgiveness. How, how far should I go? You should go as far as God goes. There should never be a time or a reason when Christians would not forgive a trespasser. And a lot of times there are things that are trespassed against us, things that are done against us that, that you and I, dear friends, if we would be honest with each other, we would find there's probably some fault on both sides. So there's this reoccurrence of forgiveness then that must happen. It's not a one-time thing. It's an every-time thing. If a trespassing person then comes to a child of God asking for forgiveness, our forgiveness toward that person should be a, a repeating type of thing. It should always be that way. The realm of forgiveness, uh, that means that all offenses have been removed. Every person has been forgiven through the uh, grace of God, through the grace of God rather, and because of the redemption of Calvary. We do this because we have been redeemed at Calvary ourselves. Now, I know, friends, sometimes people hurt is pretty bad. Sometimes that hurt gets really deep. But God tells us, dear friends, His forgiveness started at Calvary. I think it started actually before that. Because God tells us about His love. That even though that we didn't love Christ, God commendeth His love toward us. While we were yet, what? Sinners. That Christ died for us. And so I believe today that it's because of the love of God that Christ went to the cross, that Christ shed His blood for each and every one of us. It's because of that precious blood and that matter has already been settled for us that causes us to continue to forgive also. There was a person one time that said to me, well, I can forgive you, but I can't forget it. You see, that's the problem with man. Man wants to carry that on. But if we truly forgive, you know what that means? We forget it also. Amen. We leave it off to the side. We don't ever come back to that. We leave it alone. And I can tell you something, dear friends. I've known people in my lifetime that when they forgave each other and let it alone and didn't keep bringing those things back up, that those folks became the best friends of life. It's so important today this thing about forgiveness. So let's look now at the example of forgiveness. Take your Bible and turn over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And let's look there at the text verse that we read earlier. He says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, 
so also do ye. Forbearing, what does that mean? Well, forbearing means to put up with. It means to bear, to endure, to forbear, and it even means suffer. So when he says here, forbearing one another, sometimes we have to suffer that person or suffer that thing or that hurt that they've done to us. No matter what it is, we still have to suffer that to the point that we can forgive that person. Now, I'll be honest with you, the hurt and the pain may still be there. But what God is trying to teach us in this lesson today is that even though the pain still might be there, the pain will get less and less as we become closer and closer to that person. Here Christ dies on the cross for us. We have hurt Him terribly. We despised Him. We hated Him. We spit in His face. We put the cat of nine tails on his back. We, we caused blood to gush out of his body. We beat him. There was meat hanging off the body of Christ. And yet, not one time did he say, Father, sick him. Not one time. But what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So Christ suffered for us. He went to the ultimate suffering. He did the ultimate sacrifice that you and I might understand this, this thing about forgiveness. And sometimes we're going to have to suffer, dear friends, for that forgiveness. And it might mean you might carry those pains and those scars for the rest of your life. But there still must be forgiveness. Well, preacher, what am I supposed to forgive people of? Everything they do against you, friend. Everything. Because that's what God has done for us. He's forgiven us of everything. So the word forbear means to put up with, to bear, to endure, to forbear, to suffer. And what does that word quarrel mean? Well, it's like, look here in the scripture. He says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Well, the word quarrel means to blame, to fault, have a complaint against. This would cover any reason for you to have ill feelings towards someone. So if anyone has blame against you, if anyone has fault against you or to you, or a complaint against you, then you are still supposed to forgive that person. Now, I know sometimes that's hard, isn't it? I mean, when someone comes to you and they hurt you terribly, and they, I mean, they've just torn you down. I mean, it's like a, a roaring lion scratching you in the face or, or something of that nature. It's hard to go to that person and say, I forgive you. It really is. But you know what, dear friends? That's exactly what Jesus does for us. We did the very same thing to him. And he comes to us in salvation and he says, I forgive you. I forgive you. How sweet and how precious that forgiveness is. You know, friends, I, I, I'll tell you something. God really knows what it means to forgive. And his example is what we're supposed to be following each and every single day. We're to each of us be forbearing of one another 
And if we have quarrels against our fellow man, our fellow brothers and sisters, we are commanded in the Word of God to forgive them. Commanded. So why do we hold these prejudices against people? Why do we hold these things against people? Well, it's because we've not yet gotten to the place that we need to be. That means there's still sin in our lives. Okay, folks? Yeah, you heard me say it. That's exactly right. There's still sin in your life. And that one sin, that not forgiving someone, unforgiveness is a sin. And we need to deal with that because we cannot move along in our Christian life if we still have that unforgiveness there. We cannot grow then as a Christian that like we need to do. Uh, Brother Woody has been teaching about spiritual gifts. We cannot grow in those spiritual gifts if we have unforgiveness there. We cannot do it. And so we have to forgive even as Christ forgave us. It's Christ-like then. And remember, God tells us in His Word that we are to be Christ-like. Remember, that's what the word Christian means. It means that we are like little Christians. So if we're going to be called Christian, then we need to make sure that we follow through with all the aspects of Christianity. And one of the greatest aspects of Christianity, I would even say one of the first aspects is that of forgiveness. How did Christ forgive us? He did it freely, first of all. He did not hesitate or delay when uh, we asked Him. When you asked Him to forgive you of your sins, when you got saved, where there was an altar at the altar in the cornfield, dear friend. He did not delay. He did not hesitate. He forgave you immediately, instantaneously. He did that. He gave you freely. He gave you, forgave you entirely as well. He pardoned all our offenses. He requires no satisfaction. Uh, what uh, we should have paid for those forgiveness uh, and those forgiving words, He has already paid. What we deserved, He received. And how are we to do this and how did He do it? He did it freely, He did it entirely, and He did it forever. He did it as to, for us to remember our sin no more. That sin is now gone. It's taken care of. It's, it's put past. It's as far as the east is from the west. And to treat us onward as equals. <laughs> I like that, what God does through His Son, Jesus Christ. Have y'all ever realized that? That when Christ saves us through His blood, that we're treated as equals by God. How do I know that? Because the Old Testament calls us sons of God sons of God so we're treated as equals no we did not give our life for anyone Jesus did that and he is still God he is still God in the flesh dear friends and now see that the right hand of the father but we stand equal with him when we stand before God God does not see our sin God does not see our transgressions he does not see any iniquity he sees nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees forgiveness. He sees sons and daughters. Amen. I like that. I like the fact that when uh, we're in the family of God, you know, like, you like that song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God, joint heirs with Jesus, and so on and forth and so on. Joint heirs with Jesus? 
That means we're equal with Him, dear friends. We're equal in the part of our salvation. We're equal in the fact that we're going to heaven one day. And we're going to get to be seated around the table one day. And Jesus Himself, the Bible says, He'll gird Himself and He'll come around and serve us at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now I'm going to tell you what, that makes me a little giddy today, you know. I, I just want to stand up here and jump around a little bit. Better not do that, though. I don't want to hurt something else. <laughs> Mercy. <laughs> I was talking to Brother Bruce this morning. I said, you know, we got talking about it. I said, the older we get, you just don't realize things you can't do anymore. You still think you're 20 years old. <laughs> well, we do, don't we? <laughs> I was talking to the nurse the other day, and the nurse was saying, well, how did this happen? And she said, you know, you're just like my daddy. She said, who'd just go ahead and go do it anyway, whether it hurts or not? Well, that's what we do. There's a task before us that has to be done. There's also another task before us that God has commanded us, and that is to forgive. And there in itself is something that God asks us. There's the task. It has to be done. Nobody else is going to do it. You have to do it, dear friend. And so forgiveness then. Jesus Christ is our example of forgiveness. Acts chapter 13 and verse 38 says, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that uh, through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Over in Psalm 86 and verse 5, he says, For thou, Lord, art God, and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. He is our example. Amen. Amen. He is the true one. Now, what about the expectation of forgiveness? I mean, should we expect forgiveness? I think so. Amen. Don't you think you should expect forgiveness? And Again, back in 13, verse 13 of Colossians chapter 3, he says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So that means that we should expect that forgiveness. It's something that should be there. Uh, again, uh, Christ is going to forgive us. He already has. And it shouldn't be foreign to us to forgive others and expect it. Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 25 says, And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Matthew eleven twenty six. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. Luke's Gospel, chapter 6 and verse 37 says, Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be what? Forgiven. Now, did God put those scriptures in there for everybody? Amen. He didn't just put them in there for me. He didn't just put them in there for one or two people in this congregation. He put them in there for every single person in this world, dear friend. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Well, there's also an expression of forgiveness. We express the, and the way that we bring that forgiveness forward. In Ephesians 4.32, our text verse earlier, he says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Be ye kind one to another. We live in a world today where people have so much hatred. All across America, 
there's been hatred spewing and spouting everywhere. Here the other day, I have a little scanner app on my phone. And over in Philadelphia, I hear just, I think it was last week, wasn't it, Debbie? Last week, it'll tell me, I'll get little uh, notifications, and it'll tell me how many people are listening to that scanner radio uh, at a certain time and a certain period. And so I went over there because there was like, uh, I don't remember, 2,700 or 6,700 people listening at that time. And as I went over there and I, I heard the police coming in, there was rioting and looting and all these different things going on. There had been a protest that day, and, and now we find out that it wasn't really about the, the, the protest that they were doing all this looting and rioting. It was just a bunch of people being evil and being mean. Here in Philadelphia, not too far from us. And what is Philadelphia, the, the slogan for Philadelphia? The city of brotherly love. Wow. It didn't exemplify that the other night on that scanner. I mean, there was people doing all kinds of evil things and, and bad stuff and, and hurting people and, and hurting people's property and stealing people's property. Listen, dear friends, it does no good when we do things like that. And God is not pleased. So the expression of our forgiveness needs to be exactly what He tells us here. We need to be kind one to another. We need to get in this world, we as Christians, we need to get to a point in this world where, where we understand that we're the ones that have to be the pattern. We're the ones that have to be the blueprint for this world to see. We must be the ones who are kind to each other. Not all these little common interest groups that are out there and then this little thing or this little slogan begins uh, like some of these things here that have happened in the last year or two. We as Christians, we need to be the ones that step up to the plate and be the ones that are tender-hearted and kind one to another. Amen. And yet sometimes I've heard people say, you know, it's the Christians that are the meanest people. My son, he used to be uh, in management in uh, food service and sometimes he had to work on Sundays and he would say that when people came to their restaurant that, they, uh, that he was working at on that Sunday, it was the people that came from church that, are, that were the most belligerent, that were the most unkind and the most unrespectful of any of them. And he had regular customers that came in all the time, but it was those church people, you know. Should that be that way? No. I kind of feel like Columbo. You know, Columbo would come and he would tell everybody these little stories and he would turn around and he'd turn around. Oh, and there's another thing. The other thing is this, dear friends. It shouldn't be that way. We as Christians, we ought to be going places and smiling. I don't care how bad you feel. A smile goes a long way. You know, a smile increases your face value. Do you know it takes less muscles in your face to smile than it does to frown? You know, y'all try it. <laughs> My wife used to tell me, she said, you have a funny smile. Every time we take a picture, she said, you won't open your mouth and, and show your teeth, you know. So I started trying to do that. And it was so hard for me to do that because I wasn't used to doing that. This was my smile, <laughs> you know. I probably looked like that funny joker on the Batman, you know. <laughs> Listen, uh, 
my point is this, friends. We are to be happy. We should be the happiest people in the entire world. Why? Because God has forgiven us of everything. There's nothing that we have done or we ever will do that God's not forgiven us of. Not a thing. But are we there yet? No. No. And that's why we still need preaching. That's why we still need the Bible. That's why we still need the gospel being presented. That's why we still need good old gospel hymns. That's why we need the truth, dear friends, not a lie. That's why we still need hard preaching, that old-timey, old-fashioned type of preaching. Amen? We don't need this uh, namby-pamby type of preaching and feel-good, this seeker-sensitive thing that's going on in our world and in our generation right now so that we can feel good when we leave the house of God. Listen, sometimes, folks, God doesn't want us feeling good when we leave the church house. Sometimes He wants us to feel a little bad so that we can think about what we've done, think about those things, and get those things right with God. Preacher, have you ever felt bad when you left the church? I sure have. And I'll tell you why I felt bad when I left the church. Because when I left the church those days when I felt bad like that, I felt bad because I know I had disobeyed God. I did not come to the altar when the altar call was given. I did not get those things right with God. You say, well, preacher, you could get it right at any time. Right, but I was being convicted of it at that very moment, and I didn't do anything about it. The expression of our forgiveness. Oh, we need to be tender-hearted, folks. Christian forgiveness should be at the tip of every single tongue. But the Bible tells me that the tongue is sharper than any two-edged sword, isn't it? It's a weapon. A weapon sometimes that we use too easily. But the first thing that should be on the tip of the tongue should be tender-heartedness and kindness. When we consider the forgiveness that was rendered to us from God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, the compassion that He granted unto us, it should cause each and every one of us, dear friends, to have that same compassion to other people. Failure to forgive will destroy you and it will destroy those that you have a problem with. It's destruction. And the devil likes that. The devil likes for you to stay in this 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 situation where that you're hurting and you're hurting always because if you're hurting and, and your thoughts are always on those things, it will not be on God. It will not be on the blessings that God can give you. All right, well, we've talked about forgiveness. We've talked about the explanation of it, the expression of it, and so forth and so on. What about the exclusion of forgiveness? What happens if we do not forgive? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, and verse 15 says this. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Wow. Preacher, that's in the Bible? <laughs> yeah, in bold print. We are supposed to forgive... Because he forgave. If you exclude your forgiveness, then some bad stuff's going to happen. It's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to your family. 
it's going to happen to those around you, we've got to have forgiveness. You know, this unforgiveness, it prevents Christian happiness. I think Brother Woody mentioned something this morning in Sunday school lesson about joy and happiness. It prevents us from being happy. Sometimes I've wondered why Christians who say they love the Lord come in the church house and I never see them smile. I had this, I had this one fella uh, when I pastored in Roanoke. I had this one fella, he sat back there in the corner, him and his wife. And that man, I, I can guarantee you, I could tell jokes. I could jump up and down. I could look like a clown on the, on the pulpit. I could walk back there and smile on his face and tell a joke in his face, and he'd still sit just like this. I nicknamed him Sitting Bull. <laughs> because that's exactly what he looked like, an old bull-faced fella. I'd go visit him. I'd talk to his wife, and he'd come in. He'd sit down at the table there in their little kitchen area, and he'd look at me. And I asked him, I said, is there something wrong? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, you got to be careful of people like that. <laughs> I'm not going to go into the rest of that story, but oh, friends, listen. He prevents happiness. Can we tell you really why he was sold up like that? Because somebody had hurt him years before that. I finally did get the story. Somebody had hurt him years before that, and he had never forgiven them, and they had never forgiven him. When I was um, a young boy, there was a, a preacher that used to come and preach a lot of our revivals. His name was Kenneth Ridings. And Kenneth uh, was actually my homiletics professor when I went to college. And so uh, Kenneth is in there, and he tells a story, and he's talking about forgiveness. And he said uh, there was a church that he pastored that uh, he had a deacon, and him and that deacon, they had, they had some words one day. And that deacon decided he was going to leave the church. And so he left the church. And he had went, the pastor had went and visited him. He wouldn't come to the door or anything like that. And finally, several years passed, and that pastor, Kenneth Ridings, he left that church and went to another church. And... And he was out in that other church visiting some folks one day. And this was in another town. And he came and he knocked on the door. And when he opened that, when the door opened unto him, guess who it was? It was that deacon. And he, Kenneth Ryden said he thought to himself, Oh my goodness, here it is. Here we go again, you know. And he knocked on that door and the fellow said, Preacher, come on in. I got something to talk to you about. And he thought, oh my goodness, I'm really going to get it now. But he said he went in and he sat down. The fellow offered him a cup of coffee. Kenneth got the cup of coffee and they began to talk. And that old deacon, he said this to Kenneth Rodgers. He said, you know, preacher, he said, I was wrong. I was so wrong many years ago. And I've not had a happy moment. And it must have been providential that God brought you to my house today. And I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? And that old preacher, Kenneth Ridens, he said this. He said, you know what, brother? I forgave you a long time ago. He said, but yes, I'll forgive you. And they became two very good friends. 
that old man, that old deacon came and joined that church, and he was one of the best supporters of that church when Kenneth Rydens was pastor there. He said, preachers, he said, I'm telling you this. He said, because there's going to be a lot of hurt when you preach. There's going to be people that get mad at you. There's going to be people that hurt you. But you've got to do one thing, preacher. You've got to forgive. Amen. And it has to happen. Because if it does not happen, it will blossom into something that is not pretty. And so there has to be forgiveness, friends. If we do not forgive, it prevents our happiness. If we do not forgive, it prevents answered prayers. Prohibits it. How can God answer our prayers if we're in sin? It predicts Christian uh, direction. It, it changes our direction in life, actually. And then lastly, it precedes death. If you never get it right, dear friends, when you stand before the Lord, God's going to remind us of this. He's going to say, why didn't you forgive that person? I forgave you. I forgave you of all the things that you've ever done. Why couldn't you forgive that person for that one little thing? And do you know what we find out really at that point in time is those things were really petty anyway. You know, one of the, the biggest problems that we have in our churches is, is we get upset over little petty things. And it should never be that way. Amen? I mean, the whole congregation right now will be saying amen. Because it's just little petty things. When we look at it in the sight of God and the light of what God's going to do for us and what God is doing for us, does it really even matter? Why did we get so upset about these things? Forgive. Forgive. It's something that is so sweet when it does happen. It's something that God commands. And it's something that we will be judged for, dear friends, if we do not do it. And if we do do it, God's going to judge us for that as well. How did we do it? Did we do it the way that he asked us to do it? Did we honor him in that? Did we put him first in this? Or did we do it on our own way? If we put him first in it, it'll be forgotten and moved on. If we're trying to do it our own selves, listen, friends, you can't do anything without God. You must remember that. God must be in it. And that's why you do it the way that Christ did. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for, Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness. Father, I realize that we have done so many terrible things in your sight before our salvation and, Father, even some since our salvation. And, Father, I thank you for forgiving us. I thank you, Lord, for those that have sought that forgiveness and, Lord, they've been cleansed and purified of that. And, and Father, you don't remember those things anymore. But, Father, I'm afraid that somewhere in this congregation there might be someone who has some wrath, some hurt, some pain still in them. They've not forgiven those people and maybe they've not been forgiven themselves. And so, Father, I ask you today to continue to speak to their hearts. Help them, Lord, to see this, this need that they have, this need for repentance, but also this need for forgiveness.
And then help us, Lord, to walk out of this place with a renewed vision and renewed mind. Father, with a vision. Lord, you tell us in your word, without a, a vision, the people perish. And Father, we can't have vision if we, if we have unforgiveness. So help us, Father, to move forward. Help us, Lord, to, to seek those things that we need. And Lord, honor you as we do it. And then, Father, we pray for any in this congregation that may be lost. Father, they don't even understand what it means to forgive or be forgiven. So, Father, I ask you, Lord, to save them before it's too late. That they might come to that knowledge of uh, forgiveness. Uh, uh, the knowledge of forgiveness that you give us that is so, so far superpassing, Lord, that we, we just can't even explain it ourselves. I don't have words to explain it. I can just simply say, I know that you love me. And I know that you love these people here, Lord. So help us, God. Help us, Lord, to be what you want us to be. Now, as you stand with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, we're going to ask the musician to come, pianist, song director. As they play a song here in just a moment and we start singing that song please listen dear friends listen to God's Holy Spirit and maybe you need to go ahead and make that move right now God's spoken to you today and you need to step out from those pews and get those things right with him and maybe even with someone here in this church I ask you to do that because God asked you to do it Sister, if you would come. Five hundred and fifty, if you would look this way. Maybe there's others that need to come today. Seek that forgiveness. All you have to do is pray and ask the Lord. Seek that forgiveness, friends. We can't truly be forgiven until we forgive ourselves. And maybe that's something that you need to do too. Maybe you just need to forgive yourself. And then you're able to do something.
Jesus is pleading, pleading with each and every one of us. You know, I know that the desire of all Christians, we want to go home to be with God in heaven. But I honestly believe this, dear friends, that one of these days when we get to heaven, I'm wondering if it's going to be as happy as we think it's going to be. Because you see, before we can enter into heaven, there is going to be a judgment. Christians must go through what's called the Bema Seat Judgment. And we will be judged for what we've done for Christ. But we'll also be judged for the things that we've done against Christ and against others. So friends, why not get it right now? You know? Get it right now. Let's bow. Father, again, we thank you for this day. Lord, the sweetness of your word, we thank you for. I, like others in the word of God, I feel the, the sweetness of your word like a honey roll. And Lord, I thank you for it. Your word touches us, it cleanses us, it purifies us. And Father, it even leads us, even now as we leave this place. Help us to be mindful of these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.